asking about but God being with us. And I, I don't know how much you've been to church, how long you've been to church, how normal this is for you. But one of the things I realize is as long as I've been doing it, I can continually struggle with some just very basics that God is with us. Now, we don't come here just because it's on the church calendar, but we believe that there's a living God who made all of this beauty, and yet he desires to be here with you as well and to meet you. So on that part, can I ask you to pray one of these ways? you got to look here at what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, if you're coming in here and you are just wounded, you would describe yourself, you are just broken, you're hurting, in whatever way, I'm going to ask you to pray like this with your hands over your heart to say, Lord, I just need some healing. I need you to touch me. So if that's you, you can pray that way. If some of you, you're coming in here and you describe yourself, you're just very dry spiritually. And you might even be a leader. <laughs> but sometimes leaders, you're not allowed to say you're dry and you're. it's been a while since you feel like you could describe God as living waters. It's more like, can I get a little sip somewhere? Because if that's you, can I ask you to pray with your hands in this posture? Asking the Lord, rain down. Fill me, Lord, because my heart feels like a desert. I want to taste from you again. And maybe for some of you, um, you're just experiencing tremendous attack from the enemy, whatever that looks like. And you are experiencing spiritual battle in different ways. I'm going to ask you to pray this way, in, in a posture like this, against the enemy, against whatever lies maybe even the enemy speaking into your life. Even you being here, maybe you're sitting here and you like you feel like a moron. You're like, why am I even here? I'm going to suggest the enemy might be wanting to distract you from what he wants to do. But pray like this and say, Lord, help me fight. Lord, help me fight against the evil one. If you fight for me. So I'm going to ask you to pray in one of those ways. Maybe you'll pray in multiple ways. If you're hurting, hands over your heart. Say, Lord, heal me. Heal this broken heart. Maybe if you're dry, Lord, I need to receive from you. And if you're being attacked, pray against the enemy in the power of God. So can you join me? One of those things that we can all close our eyes when I was looking around the seat. Man, what's my brother's Man, oh, man. You worry about you. You be you. And, and let's let's seek the Lord together as we get ready to uh, receive His word. However you need to pray. Whatever it looks like for you. You just want to stand there God can hear that too. So let's just take a moment pray to Heavenly Father, we ask for your grace and mercy to pour and flow down in this place in these few short days we have with one another. Thank you for the blessing of being able to be with one another, that we don't do this alone. But some of us have been hearing way too loudly, you're alone. You're alone. And Lord, may we rebuke those messages and remember that in Christ we have you. We also have one another. You give us these grace to be able to come together like this as a family, as a body. Our Lord, I pray whether our hearts are just walking like fire with you already, that you would just continue to fan flames this time. Or if some of us are struggling and it's been a while, or we're, we're even doubting, honestly, we're here, but we're even doubting whether your presence is real, would you speak in a still small voice? However we need to hear Lord, that we might give you more praise, more glory with our lives, with our worship, with our devotion, with our community. Help us, Holy Spirit, not to just have nice sessions, not to just have nice events, but Lord, that we would remember you are God who delights in being with your beloved. Help us to give us, have receptive hearts, Lord, to receive whatever you need to speak to us to draw us closer to you. So we thank you. 
Lord, we thank you that these are not prayers we have to say desperately as if we have to plead with you and try to convince you to do otherwise. Because we know, Lord, you desire worship from us. You desire communion with us. This is your pleasure. So, Lord, may we live in your pleasure. So help us even this evening to see you. So we love you, Lord. Thank you for being so good to us. How good you are to us. You give us times like this. We love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Just to give you a little kind of sketch of what we're going to be doing in these um, in these sessions here, we're going to start. We're kind of going to take almost a concentric circle approach outward. So we're going to start tonight by looking a little bit of our relationship with the Lord and a person. What does that mean for each of us? And tomorrow we're going to look about community, and we're going to broaden the circle a little bit. And then from there we're going to talk about the path of discipleship, going a little broader, and then we're going to close out. Uh, the retreat, looking at what does it mean for us to be on mission together as we go forth. But this evening, we're going to start with this idea of God with us, and we're going to be looking at the book of Joshua. So if you have your Bible, or uh, we might have the verses up on the screen as well, but Joshua, I'm going to be reading from chapter 1, the very beginning, starting in verse 1. And it reads, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you, med- you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Ah, man, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And and even if you've never read this portion of the Bible, if if maybe this is a little new to you here, uh, you might know some of the circumstances leading up to these events here. Because um, when Hollywood make movies about something in the Bible, you know it's pretty big, right? So movies like Ten Commandments, Prince of Egypt, uh, this whole story of this man Moses, who's led this people, Israel, this nation, out of captivity from Egypt. And after that, the people of Israel, they just spent the last 40 years of their history wandering the desert. And, and God's purpose for Joshua, the new leader, and, and we're going to see more about that in a second. And Israel is to enter this promised land of Canaan. However, it's not like this land is just waiting to be taken. Every city has its own people. And Joshua is to lead the people of Israel in, in a military fashion. And he's going to be the commander of this relatively small tribe of people. So these verses we read here, they're almost like a commissioning address for this new leader, Joshua. And, and he, if some of you, you've done internships, and you're like, y'all, that was a long year. Joshua did like a 40-year internship, right? For the past 40 years, he's been interning under this man, Moses. 
learning about leadership, learning how to uh, pray and fast and seek the Lord on behalf of the people. And you might have noticed in God's words to Joshua here, he repeats a certain phrase. And in the Bible, when you see something repeated, it's not like the author got a stubborn problem, right? There's, it's important to say, pay attention to what's going on here. Be strong and courageous. In these few verses, you see this phrase repeated multiple times. Be strong and courageous. And, and I, I think it's kind of logical. It seems to me, at least, wise, wise God telling Joshua to be strong and courageous. Maybe Joshua didn't feel strong and courageous. I mean, I went to seminary and paid a lot of money to learn things like that, right? Maybe God is saying, be strong and courageous, because our boy Joshua is saying, I don't feel very strong and courageous. I mean, consider his circumstances. Where's Joshua at? Moses had just died. And uh, you probably heard of Moses, right? Again, Hollywood making movies about you. People making cartoons about you. That's, that's big time. Uh, we read about Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 10. Describing here in verse 10 it says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, and to all his servants and all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Wow! Yeah, I mean... There has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses. He's saying there has not been anyone that came that, that could measure up to Moses. Uh, when I was in high school, I tried to get as many jobs as I could because um, I wanted some money. I mean, just be honest, right? I wanted some money. So one job I had, I worked all over the place. One job I had, I worked at Taco Bell. It was great because I, side note, is I got to make all my, my own creations in there and use the... The, the little Mexinel oven to make my own things. I would use the giant guns, right? Not the little little uh, things. I would make these giant things. I loved it, but it wasn't fun when I first started work there because I started working there, and my first day, and I'm making all the foods. Um, the manager he says, oh, "I hope you do okay because you're taking Mike's place." And I was like, "Okay, who, who's who's our cat, Mike?" He's like, Mike was the most amazing worker we've ever had in this place. <laughs> he could make like things with two hands for two different people at the same time. He was amazing. We would have no lines when Mike's working. We were the most efficient. He could cook and he could clean. Yo, we'd be out of here like when it's 10 o'clock closing, we'd be out of here at 10.05. We love Mike. I'm like, oh, okay, well, what's that mean for me? They're like, just try to keep up. First night, um, I'm learning this stuff. We got lines like snaking out all the way to the back. I just look at my manager. He's like, man, I really missed Mike. Mike was, Mike was great. <laughs> and, and what I learned from that, because I learned, well, first I learned I wasn't Mike. And I learned you never want to follow the best. And Mike was the best, right? He was prime A Taco Bell employee. And I wasn't. Um, when we see here, Moses was the best. No, no denying that Moses was the best. He was a tough act to follow. And I'm guessing, and we don't have the exact motivations here, I'm guessing Joshua's probably not feeling very strong, courageous, and maybe one reason is you know, it's not easy to follow a leader like that. 
And we see what here, what God tells him to do in response, right? He says, come on, snowflake, stop your whining and pull yourself together. You see that, right? Your Bible doesn't say that? Good, that means you've got a real Bible. I mean, of course, that's not, that's not what he says here. God does tell Joshua, yo, be strong, be courageous, but he's not supposed to get this strength from deep within. It's not, yo, I know this is tough. I know your leader's not here anymore. Yo, I know that guy that had that big staff and water's like, you know, that guy that everyone's followed for 40 years, that everyone think is like the man, he's not here anymore. And now it's you, Josh. Um, God's saying, yo, be strong, be courageous. But it, it's not, find that strength deep within. Come on, you can do it. You can do it. Just you need just more positive energy. Dig deep. I mean, that's a great Under Armour commercial, but that's not what we see here. Rather, he's supposed to get his strength by remembering that God is with him. Verse five reads, "As I was with Moses." Just five words, but five of the most powerful words you can see in the Bible. As I was with Moses. Because what he's saying is that we have a human compulsion towards this. We put way too much importance and emphasis on people like you and me who are just people. And we elevate people. I know even your church is probably going through some of that right now with just pastor being on sabbatical. And it's like, what, what will we do if our leader is not here? And churches all the time go through these struggles. And, and I'm not diminishing leadership. God puts his leaders in place. That's a good thing. It's a real good thing. But we've also got to remember, ultimately, it's not that Moses was so great. It's the God who was with Moses that made him great. Because everyone's going to lift up Moses. And God's trying to remind Joshua, yo, yeah, Moses was cool. But it's because I was with Moses. And as I was with Moses, so now I will also be with you. Unbelievable. So imagine for Joshua as he hears God say that. Imagine what kind of memories, again, he just did 40-year internship. Imagine what kind of memories are coming to his mind for the past four years. I'm almost imagining like it's, it would have been like the Harry Potter, the pensive, right? You know, the memory thing where you toil around and you see all these memories come. I can almost imagine Joshua going through and recalling all the ways he's seen how God was with Moses. What did it mean as I was with Moses? I, I imagine it's like Exodus 13. I, I don't know. I can't remember if I, if I said these verses to be on screen. But Exodus 13, I'll read from, from verse 21. This is what it says. And the Lord went before them. And this is when Israel was released from Egypt, right? They were rescued. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people. Can you imagine that? When Israel was out there in the wilderness and in the desert, and this was not some geo-tracking fun camping trip. It's scary. It's scary. You don't know where you're going. You've left where you've known home. And now you've suddenly been released. Imagine how scary it is. Imagine how unknown it is. Imagine how dark it is. And then God gives them this giant pillar of cloud by day. And saying, yo, I know you don't know where to go. Just follow this pillar. Because that's, that's me with you. And at night when it's dark 
and scary, a pillar of fire. God was with them, protecting them from danger, guiding them in this whole journey, providing light when it was dark. I, I imagine Joshua thought about things that we see described in Exodus 14. And, and Exodus 14, it's following this, this tremendous story of, again, Moses. You know, we, we love Moses. And they were stuck at that water. They were stuck at that Red Sea. No, what are we going to do? And Moses is the whole thing right now. And however it looked like, and the water just spreads, and they go through it. And amazing stuff. But here's what came before. Chapter 14, verse 12. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. We never think about this part. We never think about why God spread that water. It was because these people, these, they, and you know, I, I want to judge them. I'm like, man! rescued you from slavery and now you see them chasing after you and you're going to adopt that God? Seriously, you want to go back? I do the same exact thing going on. I've known God's power in my life when it gets a little hard. I'm like, oh, it was so much better before. It was so much less complicated. I wish I could go back to Egypt. And what does God do instead of saying, okay, y'all go back to Egypt then. Go back into slavery. Y'all want you go. What does he do? He splits this water he reminds them, if I've got somewhere to take you, I will find a way for you to get there. Follow me. I imagine Joshua going through his memories and, and thinking about Israel. And they are, they're like a bunch of babies, honestly. And I, I just drove my two little girls, so it's amazing how hungry kids can get in 10 minutes. I mean, we just ate, and 10 minutes later, I'm so hungry. Are we there yet? I'm like, no, we got like two hours and 30 minutes, right? Um, and, and just... It, that was Israel. So God did the whole water thing. God did the whole pillar of clouds and pillar of fire. How much more do you need? Like, We're hungry. We're hungry. And it was the 15th day of the second month departing. And this is what they said in Exodus 16. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They're basically saying, yeah, I guess that whole rescue from slavery thing is not too bad, but y'all, back in Egypt, we were like golden corral every day. Eating and enjoying. Yeah, we were captive, but we were full captives. Moses, bring us out to the death of the star. And, and there's not much in that could kill a mood like hungry people, right? And y'all know when a preacher goes too long and it's like lunchtime and you're, you're not even thinking about the Bible anymore. You're thinking about, like, there's nothing that killed. And imagine that feeling going through the whole camp. Yo, we're just going to starve out here. Yeah, that water trick, that was nice. But we're going to starve out here. Who cares about the water? You know, if we don't have no food. And God's response, instead of just like wiping them out right there, saying, I'm sick of y'all, what does he do? God gives them quail. God gives them this wonderful food called manna. So mysterious to say, what is it? I don't know. Let's call it, what is it? Right? They, they didn't know this manna. 
Literally, every day God feeding them what they needed. Miraculously providing. I imagine Joshua thinking about these saved babies again, right? They just had their quail and their manna. And then in Exodus 17, it says, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So now they've had their food, but once they've had food, they're thirsty. They're thirsty. There's no one. So Moses cried to the Moses again. He's sick of them, right? What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go, Behold, I'll stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. Miraculous. The people were thirsty. They're about to die from thirst. And it's not like God saying, Okay, just go around the corner. There's like a little lake waiting for you. More. God says, I'm going to show you how ridiculous and sick I am. And boom, Moses hit that rock and a little water comes from the jump. And that's how they get their thirst parched. Like, it has to be God. There's no coincidence. Like, oh, I'm glad God provided that lake. That way. No, this is not even a, like, uh, I'm not sure if that was God or not. Or this is like, only God out of a rock. Water for the people to drink. And for Joshua, as he hears, as I was with Moses, he is supposed to know for a fact the same God that you just saw through those ridiculous things all 40 years, that's the same God that's going to go with you now, even though your man Moses is not the one leading anymore. Because it was never really about Moses in the first place. It was about the God who went before Moses. And now, Joshua, it's going to be the same God that goes with you. That in the times of fear and doubt that inevitably will come, he's to remember the faithfulness of God that he has witnessed firsthand for 40 years. And know that it's the same God that's going to go with them on this journey. How can he be strong and courageous? Because he's seen a God who's done everything for these past 40 years. And I think, you know, as we think about this, even in our own lives, one way we can think about this journey of life it's almost like it's a continual series of new fears to get through. You can almost think about life that way. Like, I think about my little kids now, they're almost 10 and 8. And, and they, 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 in my mind, they're still so small, but I'm like, oh, wow, they're getting bigger. Um, I remember their biggest fears used to be like, um, if, if mommy or daddy aren't in the room. Like, that's what would make them get really scared. And then move to like, having to go to sleep and then be in the dark. That was the scary thing. And we're trying to teach them it's okay. You're, you're not by yourself. And then it started to move to things like first day of kindergarten and they're scared to go to a new place and helping them to navigate those fears. And then as they're getting older, I'm realizing it's starting to get a little more complicated. It's like fears of, am I gonna have the friends I had last year? Am I? Are kids still going to like me? Like, and, and as they get older, I mean, you all know, it's just going to get even more complicated. And it gets to like your age. And the fears start to feel a little bit more real. Where am I going to live? Where am I going to get a job? Who am I going to marry? How's my family going to do? And, and it just feels like it gets more and more real. And it's, in a sense, raising your kids and helping them grow to adulthood is teaching them how to um, get through fear. And we all 
And whether you know it or not, we all have different ways that we respond to fear and the accompanying crises of faith. And again, one is find your strength from within. Find your strength from within. But what God teaches us here is that strength is actually not just found from within, but it's found from outside of us. That for the Christian, strength is not just something you dig deep, but it's something you look outside of yourself to find strength. And it's interesting that what God teaches Joshua to do here, how do you know God? Look at what it says in verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. What God is telling Joshua, what he's trying to remind him is, more than your might, more than your power, more than your strength, Joshua, you need the word of the Lord. More than any of those things, you need my word, this book of law. Do not let it get out of your sight. Meditate on this thing. Soak in it. Immerse in it. Yeah, you need to learn how to fight. But more than even that, you need to learn my law, my word. Joshua, you're going to have to use every ounce of your military training, but God is teaching him clearly that ultimately his success will not be how great of a fighter he is, but it's living by the ways of God as found in his law. And for us here, the primary means that God has given us to know Him intimately is through His Word. And, and I, I want to be clear, I don't, I, I don't think that means that like we can't know God through other means. And I have people, we have a really interesting creative church, and a lot of people tell me, yo, I watched Game of Thrones last night, and I feel like I learned so much about the way God works. I'm like, praise God, that's, that's cool. Whatever, whatever. Yo, Pastor, I had this funky dream last night, and I think God was telling me something about my direction. I'm like, cool, dig it. Or it could have been the wings you had right before you went to bed, but it's, it's cool, it's cool. Or, oh, wow, I had this amazing conversation with this person. I just feel God was telling me something so clearly. I'm like, praise God. I believe God speaks for all those things. But here's, here's what I'm saying. Ultimately, our main source of where God speaks to us is through his word. It doesn't contradict necessarily those other things unless that contradicts the word of God. But ultimately, the best way that God has given us to know him deeply and personally and intimately is through his revealed word. And in the same way he's encouraging Joshua to not turn from it to the right or to the left, I think he gives us the same call in our own lives here. And as we read the Bible, and I, I, knowing your church even a little bit, I know this is probably just natural to you, but I, I go over this just because I, I don't think it's natural everywhere. Um, we know that the Bible is not just this storybook of characters that you're supposed to like emulate. Like the Bible is not just this whole list of characters. You try to be like these people because they were great. They were the heroes. And like you got like little trading cards of like Moses and, and like Joshua and your David and, and like you're like, oh no, I got a Judas Iscariot. You know, it's like it's like these bunch of different different heroes that you should try to be like. Um, the Bible. And this just astounds me the more I study the word. It's actually a narrative full of some of the biggest losers you can imagine. The Bible is just, one of the reasons I have to know that the Bible is true is no one would write a story that makes their people look so stupid and so bad. Like the heroes, like David, one of the best kings. Yo, he had a man killed because he wanted to sleep with his wife. Or because he did sleep with his wife, actually. 
And because he got into some trouble. What The best missionary in the New Testament was a terrorist. Paul. Murder. Moses. The great Moses. For 40 years, he escaped out into the wilderness because he killed a man. Those are our heroes. Our heroes are zeros. Like they're all losers. But as jacked up as the people might be, there's one common theme throughout this story of the Bible, that there is a hero. And he is faithful. He is strong. He does not waver, even, even when you and I waver. And the hero is, is God. And even, even in the form of Christ. And he's calling us to put our trust in him. Even when I am continually tempted to put my trust in anything but him. Even in myself. God is trying to tell me, you need to look into the word because you need to see your hero. God himself. And as weird as this might sound, I think part of the act of meditating on the scriptures is for us to learn that it might actually make sense, rational sense to trust in God. And you know, we often, in our church at least, we often talk about freedom. For some of our people, um, when we talk about freedom, we're talking about things like adult addictions or compulsions. That's, that's real. Um, but God wants to also free us from trusting ourselves too much. We don't talk about that too much. We talk about freedom from like heroin or from alcohol or from pornography. And that's all real. But I think one of the biggest things we see in Scripture, God wants to also free us from trusting ourselves too much. And I know that goes against a lot of what you might hear where it says, trust yourself even more. God is saying, you know, sin is actually trusting yourself too much at the expense of trusting me. Because the greatest barrier for a lot of our relations with God, maybe even here, is that we actually have too much faith in ourselves and not enough in God. And maybe a question you can ask yourself, how much of your life right now could realistically be done if you took God out of it? How much of your life could you honestly do and you would really feel no effect of it at all if you took God out of it? And maybe it's revealing ways that we haven't fully trusted God with all of our life. You know, I, um, a few years ago, many years back, I'm getting old, uh, I learned to ride a motorcycle. And uh, I don't know if you can tell from there, I'm, I'm, I'm a little big, right? I used to even be bigger. So me getting on this little two-wheel thing and going, I don't want to break you, 55 miles per hour, it's, um, it's a little scary, right? Um, but here's the thing that like blew my mind when I was learning to ride, the, the person was teaching me, uh, he was saying, when you make a turn, um, you don't, and if those of you who ride, you'll know, right? You don't turn your handlebars of a motorcycle. That's not how you turn. If you're going around a turn, you lean into that. And you see that, right? When you see motorcycle races, like, and the tighter that turn is, the more you gotta lean, and the faster you gotta go. That's why you see those motocross, and they're like, bodies are like three inches off the ground. You're like, there's no way that could work. And I'm looking at myself, I'm like, okay, um, I, I'm not good in science, but I don't think my body's gonna work like when I'm like this, on I-95 going a few miles per hour. It doesn't feel like it should work. It feels like everything within myself wants to pull myself up straight because I'm like, you're not gonna make that. You're gonna fall. You're gonna go straight into concrete. It's gonna be real messy. But what they tell you is you need to learn to trust the lead. 
You need to learn to trust that if you're in that curve, you need to trust and press into that because that's what's actually going to hold you up. And I think faith in a certain way is similar to that where it's not often going to make sense to trust God. Sometimes you're going to feel like a moron for trusting God. You're, you're going to hear things in church like, um, trust God with your success. And I know, um, you know, give God the first fruits and give him everything. Serve in church and go give yourself sacrifice. And maybe you're a student. You know, I know you've got exams and I know everyone, but you know, give God your first and then everything else will turn out good. And you're looking around at you, everyone else in your class, you're like, they're not giving up Friday nights to go to church. They're not serving other people. If anything, they're working even harder in this. And maybe God is telling you, trust in me. Because the ways I'm going to show you my faith and my provision for you, it's not going to look the same for everyone. It might feel actually kind of ridiculous. But I know what I'm doing, and I have the best for you in mind. And that maybe God even wants us to experience a little weakness so we might experience the strength of our God. Some of us are just too strong. We have no need for God. You're strong. Why would you need God? But it's when you're weak, God draws us to himself. I want to be really clear here. God doesn't want you to be weak for the sake of weakness itself. He actually wants you to be strong, but he wants you to know that true strength is known in weakness. For it's often our weakness that brings us into the strength of God. And that's faith. It's believing the unseen because of a sure hope. And when things don't make sense in your life, that's why we fix our gaze on the cross in Jesus Christ. Because when we look at the cross, we look at this man who was perfect. And all he did was love. All he did was serve. And ultimately, he hung up on this thing, this tree called a cross. And he died. And it looked like it made absolutely no sense in the world. But we know that God knew what he was doing. And as we actively put our trust in, in Christ, that we trusted that lean, that's when that mysterious work happens where we once had fear, it now becomes faith. What are your greatest fears? Allow that to be what draws you to God. Don't think about the great strengths you have to bring to God. Think about your greatest fears and see that as God's invitation for you to trust him with that. Read, meditate on the Word of God. And, and one of the reasons we have to read the Bible is not so we can emulate the people we read in the Bible, but we can see these zeros. We can see these losers. We can see these morons that didn't have any clue what they were doing. And we can see how God used those powerful people. And we don't look at the people in the Bible and look at them from afar. God is trying to remind us the same God who's with those people in the Bible is the same God who's in this very room right here with you now. And we elevate these people in the Bible as if they're somehow better than we are. I mean, they did great things, but we've got the very same spirit. We've got the very same atonement. We've got the very same authority and love from our father that they did. There is nothing different. And we read the Bible to be reminded as God walked with those saints, he also walks with us as well. At the end of this message, the goal is not, oh man, thank you. I'm going to try to be like Joshua, be more courageous. And that's really not the message here. The point is to know more intimately the God who was with Joshua. Because in times of fear and doubt, the goal is not to just be stronger willed, be tougher. 
but it's to know the God who promises that you never walk alone. And your fear, whatever it might be, it's not just something for you to conquer, but it's an opportunity that God might be giving you to experience the true, loving, intimate knowledge of God. So how is God calling you to trust Him today? Maybe a good way to ask that, what are your greatest fears right now? I mean, we don't like to talk about fear in church. It doesn't sound very holy, right? What are the things that keep you up at night? What are the things that make it kind of hard for you to sleep? What are the kind of things that even when things are going good, you start to have this like low-grade fear that you're going to lose stuff? What are some of the fears? Is it related to family? Is it related to relationships? Is it related to your future? Is it related to the church, maybe? Let me ask you, whatever fears the Lord might be revealing in you, even tonight, can you bring that to God and say, God, let this be a way for me to greater trust you in this place. That as you were with Moses and Joshua and David and Jacob and John and Paul and Timothy and Esther, and Ruth, as you were with all of them, Lord, is it true that you're with me in the same way here? Lord, forgive me that my eyes have been way too small about who you are, but that you promise when I am in Christ, I have everything that the saints have, which is the fullness of knowing you. Help me to live in that here. So can I ask you to stand with me for a moment, and our brother's going to come and lead us in some time to respond in prayer. Let me ask you to stand and just lay your heart out before the Lord this evening. Again, what are you fearing tonight? And maybe you wouldn't describe it as fear. Maybe that sounds a little too vulnerable. But what causes you anxiety? What's causing you depression? What's causing you stress? What's causing you to seriously doubt that God loves you? Maybe some of you, some stuff is happening in your life. And it's causing you to really say, if God really loved me, then why is blank happening to me? Can I ask you, humbly, can I invite you to bring that to God this evening? He can handle it. Trust into that lead. Trust it even when it doesn't make sense that God is with you in this place. So join me and let's pray to the Lord before we get led into um, response and seeking the Lord this evening. Bring your fears before God. Don't be afraid to talk in this language. But this is where God will often reveal himself in the ways that we don't have self-control, that we don't have control of our situations, that God will show himself strong in that as we trust in him. So let me invite you. Seek God in that way to see you know he is to be found. He wants to be with you. He wants you to know his strength this evening. That if you are his, you are never alone. You can be strong and courageous. And as God is with the saints, he is with you as well. Let's pray in that.